Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. We're going to get in the Word this morning, open up your Bibles. Uh, we are in this series, and it's going to be part three today, just because I'm not creative enough to come up with four titles, so I'm just sticking with the one. It works for me, and uh, it's, uh, we're talking about the gift that God gave, the greatest gift that God gave, obviously, was His Son, Jesus Christ, but because of Jesus, uh, we're able to experience the fullness of God's love for us, which is uh, by far the greatest gift we will ever know. For God so loved the world. And uh, you put your name in there and it just does something to that scripture. It just takes it to a whole nother level because God so loved you that he gave. And uh, we have the right and the privilege to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Can you say amen to that? And out of it, just uh, amazing things that come into our life. So we're going to continue this morning to look at Paul's writings. We're going to go over to the book of Galatians today and uh, see his exhortation to the church at Galatia, um, this significant message that, um, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, we saw, we see through Scripture, we see through history, uh, the change in Paul's life from when he first uh, had that Damascus Road experience where the light shone and uh, he heard the voice of God. He fell to the ground and eventually um, he had his sight uh, returned and began to preach the gospel without Bible college, without seminary, without a whole lot of things. He had the revelation of God uh, by the Holy Spirit. And through that, uh, we see a significant uh, man of God grow and, and become the writer of m most of what we read in the New Testament. Much of the New Covenant is written uh, epistles by the hand of Paul. So I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. I want to read you a couple of verses here. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it does in our life. I pray today for the revelation of love. Love from you, Father, to us. And because of that love, how we have a grace to walk in something that might not be our natural uh, personality, natural gifting, and yet because you first loved us, uh, your grace is sufficient, enabling us not only to love you, uh, but to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so today, once again, I just ask for a fresh anointing upon this word, I pray in Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We're, we're living in a time in history right now where the world is consuming each other with anger and hatred and lawlessness and a spirit of murder. Uh, you can't ever turn on the news, not one day, without hearing a report of someone being murdered in some big city. Here, yesterday morning, downtown Gainesville, there was a murder that took place. Why? Is there such a spirit of hatred in this world? It's because there is a battle raging for the soul 
of mankind. There's a battle raging for you and those of you that have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. What you surrendered to was not law and religiosity and just joining some formal church thing. It is that you came into a revelation of Jesus' love for you. His love is what changes our lives. His love is what... uh, whether you're a young person, many of you, how many of you got saved before the age of 12? Hold your hand up. Keep it up. Real high. Hold it up. Look around. That's amazing. I was eight when I was saved, and uh, when, when conviction came in my heart that there was something desperately missing in my life, and I literally ran down the aisle to the altar um, on August the 8th, 1965, as an eight-year-old boy, the thing that I was desperately looking for was love. I was from a large family, six brothers and sisters, mom and dad, in between marriages and divorces and a dysfunctional home and a family. The thing that desperately was longing in my heart was a love that allowed me to be not only acceptable, but significant. That wasn't a mistake. Wasn't an accident. I wasn't just the fifth of seven kids uh, because mom and dad, you know, during one of their remarriages, um, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to just stay away from that. (laughs) Can you say dysfunction? Some of you are well acquainted with that. But aren't you glad that you were not bound to that? Your past does not have to dictate your future. What you came out of does not have to affect your destiny in God. Because of his great love for you. The whole law, Paul says, the whole law, not part of it, not some of it, the whole law is fulfilled in this, that you love God and that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. This week as I was meditating on that scripture, I started praying over some of you because I realized some of you struggle with loving your neighbor because you yet love yourself. You, You still haven't let go. You haven't forgiven. Suzanne and I realized the other day we were watching a show um, that we, you know, one of the things I like about my wife is we like the same stuff. And uh, we, we, I don't like documentaries, you're right. She's into this elephant thing right now. And yesterday she comes out and she's so excited. She's got to tell me about this baby elephant. And she had to go through the whole, I was like, honey, I'm thinking I could have just gone and watched it with you because it it took about 30 minutes for her to explain. No, that's exaggerated. It was not more than 12. Uh, But she had to explain the baby elephant, the mama elephant, and the grandmommy elephant and how they're talking to each other. I'm like, really? I'm thinking they're talking to each other? And, and, uh, but, uh, One of the things that Suzanne and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks is like everything we're watching, there's this need for family. 
Every show that we watch, there's this need. Somebody's looking for their dad or somebody's looking for their mom or somebody's looking for that family tie that's missing in their life. Something happened dramatically and, and, and they didn't have it or they're looking for a daddy's love because daddy didn't love them and mama didn't love them. And there's this need for love. That's why there's all of these struggles that we see people biting and devouring one another. He said, Paul said to the church of Galatians, watch out that, that you are not consumed by that hatred that's going on. See, what we're experiencing today, it's not new. I mean, some of us think, wow, there's never been a worse time in the history. And, oh, yeah, there is. There's, a, there, there's been a lot of bad times. But God's bigger than all of it, and God can redeem all of it. And I believe God is redeeming it. And he's redeemed you. He's redeemed me. He's redeemed our relationships. I've been reading a book that uh, Terry and Heidi Tomlin wrote uh, me a couple of months ago and said, Pastor, we just finished this devotional. You got to get it and just, you know, read it and then preach it in your own words. And so uh, that night I thought, wow, they're really excited about this. So I Googled it and, and found it on Amazon and ordered it. It was like a $4 little book uh, written by um, Henry Drummond, who was, uh, he only lived 46 years. He was an incredible man of God over in Europe. And uh, he had a revelation um, of the love of God that really transformed the time that he was living and the message that was being preached uh, in the world at that time. Uh, he came along with this message, and uh, uh, Moody uh, heard him speak at a little small group, almost like a home group, and he was so uh, impacted by Drummond's simple message on love that he said, you have to come to the U.S. and this message has to be preached in our Bible college every single year. And, uh, it, it, and so it happened. He came over. But anyhow, through that, I've been reading this book and, and there's a few quotes that I'm going to share today. Uh, one is this. He said, to love abundantly is to live abundantly. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes, but what? To steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come, why? To give you life, and that life more abundantly. The heart of God is that you and I live an abundant life. In the middle of battles and struggles and difficulties and persecution and everything that the world has to throw at you, Jesus declares that his grace is sufficient that you can live more abundantly than what you can even imagine or think. He said love is God's supreme or greatest gift to us. It is the noblest object we can desire or achieve. It has the power to change hearts and change the world. To change hearts and to change the world. What the world needs from you and I is a God kind of love that no matter how much we might disagree, how many, how many of you know at least one person that you disagree with? How many of you know of that one person that you almost disagree with all the time? We are living as light in the world in the midst of what? Darkness. 
Light and darkness have no fellowship. Impossible. I came down yesterday afternoon to walk around the auditorium and pray a little bit. And uh, when I walked in, it was pitch black. And the power of the finger. There's a little thing on the wall back there uh, that's shining blue and red right now, I think. And uh, when the guys come in, when Tad and Jim designed all of this, the minute they turn on the system, it overrides the little switch box on the wall. But on the wall, there's number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And one through seven will turn on different sets of lights in this auditorium without the system being on. But number eight turns it off. And it goes back to pitch black. So when I walked in the auditorium, I forgot to hit the switch. So I almost ran into the back of that little tiny screen behind me, which is dangerous because they have metal things sticking all out of the whole thing. So I immediately went back outside and hit number one. And the minute I did, some lights came on. Darkness had to flee. Had no power at all to stay. What does that say to you and I? Where has God placed you in this world that some of you are still complaining and griping about? Oh my gosh, I just, it's all unbelievers around me and everything. So, I mean, everybody's so mean and ugly and blah, 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 blah. And we're called to be light. See, where light is, you don't need more light. Oh, that's good. But where darkness is, Need some light. And we need light based on our love, not our religion. Based on the fact, man, God so loved me. I was messed up. You were messed up. And then the love of God impacted, changed your life. Affects everything about you, your decisions. The love of God, not the religion of God. And, and so when we walk out of these doors every single week, we walk out either as light and love or we walk out religious. And the world's not lining up for your religion. But you let your love change you, then your love will change them. It's the greatest gift God gave us, this gift of love. It needs to become the supreme work to which we need ourselves in this world to learn love. How many Remember what Jesus did up until age 30 in his life. If you know it, shout it out. He was a carpenter. He did carpentry. He worked with his hands. He actually practiced Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect. He was perfectly the Son of God. He was perfectly the Son of Man. And yet, from the earliest age, he watched his father, Joseph, 
build stuff with his hands. And he practiced. I've had a few surgeries in my life. And I always appreciate that the surgeon is well practiced before he gets to me. Dr. J.R. over here to my right, he actually did surgery on my eyes years ago. And when he told me what he was going to do, it grossed me out. I'm like, let me see your hands. <laughs> you know, I didn't want hands like this. <laughs> when he's trying to slit my eyes to repair something that needed to be repaired. I'm glad I wasn't J.R.'s first I don't know who he was. I don't know if surgeons actually tell their patients, oh, by the way, this is my first. <laughs> well, sign me, not up. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's a little different. So every level, and, and we see Jesus, perfect son of God, perfect son of man, and he's devoted 30 years of his life to practicing carpentry. There's some music, man. It's like, is that coming from me? Wow. It's how great thou art, too. I think it is. I was playing that before service. That's powerful, isn't it? Woo! I felt the anointing. Coming. Here, somebody take my phone, and so I make sure that's, that was good right there. As Jesus practiced his carpentry skills, listen to this. So must we practice the art and the discipline of love. That's good right there. The art and discipline of love. It doesn't mean you're always going to like everybody. You see that in marriage. Your, your commitment to your spouse is not because you always like, but you always love. Love will keep you from the divorce court. Love will keep you at a place where you can say, I am sorry I was wrong. Wow. Big words right there. Like won't do that. Love will do that. We practice. When, when the Lord started dealing with me a few months ago, this word, and I told you three weeks ago, I mean, I was like, Lord, the more I read, the more I meditate on this, the more I think of the, the magnificent of your amazing love, the more I realize my own shortcomings. Wednesday night on my way to service, I almost got hit twice between Parker Road and turning into our drive, which is about a mile. This car comes flying down going west on Newberry Road. I was coming east, and he just does a Yui right in front of me, and I'm going 50 miles an hour. Literally ran me up on the side of the curb. Then I get down to Pastor Ron's neighborhood, and traffic's thick, and this lady sitting behind the car 
trying to get out. And I guess the car was taking its time because it didn't want to get hit. And this girl, all of a sudden, as I'm coming down the road, flies around the car and just goes right out in the middle of traffic. Cars on both sides are breaking. I was not thinking good thoughts. <laughs> just being honest. I'm thinking, this crazy girl is about to kill somebody. Now, I'm sure in a few other cars, there were some words coming out. <laughs> I was thinking about the message I had to preach. <laughs> and what my response could be, should be, would be. Because I'm thinking, Lord have mercy, I'm a mile from the church and these crazies are trying to kill me. <laughs> the art and discipline of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let, us, let me give you some homework. This afternoon before you go to bed tonight, read all of 1 John. I think there's five chapters or six? Five chapters. Man, when I was just looking for an extra scripture yesterday, because I was pretty much trying to stay in Galatians this morning, I went to 1 John and made a mistake, read all of John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. I was like, man, that's good. And I start, started to write a couple notes down, then I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to read chapter 2. Man, chapter 2 was powerful. Then I'm thinking, well, I, I should see at least what chapter 3 says. So I read chapter 3, man, that, that's good. Then, then you get to chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love, come on, is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, John chapter 17 recorded prayer of Jesus, and he's praying to the Father. It's his last recorded prayer um, before he's going to the cross. And his prayer is, Father, that they may know you. Come on the way I know you. Is that not your heart's cry, your heart's prayer? Father, I, I wanna, I'm never going to walk in this love thing unless I'm walking in it the way Christ walked in it. I mean, he's hanging on a cross, and he says, Father, forgive these guys. They don't even know what they're doing. They're the hand of the enemy. And then later over in the book of Acts, you see one of the uh, disciples, one of the young men being stoned, and his cry is the same as Christ. He says, Father, forgive them, and he takes his last breath as they're stoning him to death. He obviously, since salvation, had been practicing the discipline of love. Because your natural tendency when somebody's hurting you is not to bless them. Right? But he obviously had something. I was thinking yesterday, I asked my wife, um, how many of you were with me in China and had the privilege of hearing Moses uh, speak? Not Moses of the Bible, but the, the other Moses. Let me see your hand. Hold them nice and high. Y'all remember Moses. We had the privilege a couple of times of meeting this, a man, a, 
it, it, it was like meeting one of the patriarchs of the faith. Every one of us were, I mean, I've never been the same since I met that guy. Sitting beside him in a back of a restaurant in secret. And it was a large team when we were in the restaurant um, that we had. And we're sitting back there as Moses shares his story of his three different incarcerations uh, because of his faith in God. Just because he loved Jesus. And his third arrest, they came in the middle of the night, broke down his door, pulled him out of bed, and took him to prison where he lived for 25 years, shackled, bound, hands and feet, laid on concrete slab, not for a day, a week, or a month, for 25 years. And how... They kept saying, if you'll just deny your Christian faith, we'll let you go. You can't deny the power of God. But I cannot comprehend laying on concrete slab, eating food out of a bowl like a dog. And all that goes with that. And having any love in my heart for those that were causing me to do it. And yet, he did. And he prayed. And he prayed for his captors. He prayed for the guards. He prayed for those that were in the cells down the hall. Amazing story. But it's not just a story. It's a man's life. And I was so impacted as we sat there and he told the story of how he finally got out and all that went with it. And I don't have time to tell that this morning. But at the end, as, as he was wrapping up his story and, and he was passing out little uh, CDs or DVDs of his life story, his testimony, and, and, uh, and he wasn't afraid. And, and, and we, we asked him, you know, you've already been to prison three times. You're, you're openly giving these out. And he's like, what can they do to me? Besides, take me back to jail. And he was in his 80s. And he sat straight. Matter of fact, Suzanne, I've been walking uh, this week a little bit together at night. And, and I've been trying to straighten up my back a little bit. So I've been walking like the Chinese old men walk all around China. They always walk with their hands behind them. And you can see they pull back their, their uh, shoulders. And so we were walking down the road the other day, and I was walking like this when this story of Moses just, bam, was before me. Because he had been bent up in prison for 25 years, shackled, hands, feet, and a chain from the hands to the feet, laid on a cement slab sideways. And yet, when they released him in their mockery, they thought he will never be able to stand. And he slowly got to his feet and stood upright. And when we met him years later, he was still standing straight as a two by four. Not a crooked one, an actual straight one. But what impacted me more than the straightness of his spine was the magnitude of his love for his people. Verse 8, 
anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might, what? Live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. The magnitude of the goodness of God and the love of God is bigger than your love back to God. You see, the only reason you can even love God is because he first loved you. Because he first reached out to you. Because he first gave his love to you. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's really the theme throughout all the new covenant is that we love God and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And hear me, you don't get to decide who your neighbor is. Your neighbor, the person you work with, your partner, your, your business employees, employer, your neighbor. You don't get to choose the best people in the world to be your neighbor. Matter of fact, God's going to entrust that lost person to your love. Woo. They might not ever come to Christ if you don't show the love of Christ to them by your actions, your attitude, your heart, your goodness. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26, quite a few verses here. I want to read you the first half of this, beginning with verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, listen to this, are evident. This is what's going on in our world today. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hear me. We live in a world today where everybody wants to say, everything's okay, God knows me, God loves me, grace, grace, I can be and do any of those things, but I'm okay with God. I'm born a man, but I think myself a woman. You can think all you want. Sexual immorality, homosexuality. God loves every one of them just like he loved you and me. But God's word will not change. So how do we love those people that are living in a literally messed up lifestyle, not accept their sin, but love them in such a way that Jesus loved them. 
so that one day they will be impacted by his love. They'll be impacted. Their life will be touched. There will be an impartation because of the way that you loved. Suzanne sent me this a couple days ago. I don't know who sent it to her, but I want to read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5 says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. You can change your clothes and powder your nose, but in the end, your maker knows. A man can't be a woman, and a woman can't be a man. Pretend all you want, but you am what you am. God said when Moses asked him, who do you want me to tell these Israelites that you are? He said, tell them I am that I am. And hear me. You are what you is. The world, Suzanne said it yesterday, did you ever think in our lifetime we would be talking and voting about mutilating children and improving it, thinking it's right? And what kind of society are we becoming? If the world ever needed what you and I have, the love of God, it's now. Because they're messed up. I'm sorry. But they're messed up. The idea is messed up. That parents, and, and hear me, this is a parent problem. This is not a law problem. We wouldn't have this problem if parents knew who they were in Christ knew who their children were. All these crazy ideas that they're throwing around in, in our schools. Teachers being caught trying to change the nouns and pronouns and the, the, the terminology. God created male and female. Period. There's no and other things. God knows what he created, and it's perfect. Verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is what should be the fruit of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Let us walk by the fruit of the Spirit. Hear me, our lives should manifest the love of God, the goodness of God. I talked over the last couple of weeks, shared some of my failures especially in the area of patience. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> whoo, it's right there. Number four, love, joy, peace, patience. So what do we need to be doing? We need to be practicing this discipline of the love 
that we have been graced, hear me, to walk in. His grace is sufficient. His grace is powerful. His grace is mighty. And we don't have to pray for his grace. It's already been provided. So these things, this fruit of the Spirit, it comes as we humble ourselves, as, as we acknowledge our sin, as we confess our sins, as, as we acknowledge failures in our life, and we ask the Lord to cleanse us, heal us, deliver us, set us free in these areas. So that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control will become the fruit of our life. And we have a right as spirit-filled believers to walk in that. In the book by Henry Drummond, um, he tells the story. Um, he talks about love and missions work. A week from Monday, uh, Oscar and I will be leaving at 5 in the morning uh, to go back to Cuba. My first time back since I was diagnosed three years and seven months ago, and I'm extremely excited about it because Suzanne and I both have this love for Cuba that is a God thing. I can't explain it. God just put this in me. And this week, as I was texting back and forth with our friends in Cuba and uh, talking about the, the joy of getting to come back, because uh, most of you remember the week after I was diagnosed, uh, I went with a team of eight of us uh, to teach pastors and their spouses uh, in Cuba. My doctors didn't want me to go. My doctors here in the church that knew the seriousness of my condition because I didn't, didn't want me to go. But I went because I said, if this is the last missions trip I ever get to go on, I'm going. And I believe God's grace will be sufficient. And it was a tough week. I was in a lot of pain, and, uh, but God helped me to get through that. And, and so as I was thinking about this uh, missions trip, um, I, I read this yesterday. It says, it is the man who is the missionary. It is not his word. His character is his message. In the heart of Africa, among the Great Lakes, and again, this is Henry Drummond telling this story. He said, I've come across black men and women who remembered that the only white man that they had ever seen David Livingston, and as you cross his footsteps in that dark continent, men's faces light up as they speak of the kind doctor who passed through there years ago. They could not understand a word he said, but they felt the love that beat in his heart. They knew that it was love, although he spoke no words. The love of God when you have no words to be able to speak, can be manifested out of your life. And we're called to manifest God's love. First to receive it, and then to express it. There is no mystery about this kingdom truth. We love others, we love everybody. Hang on to this one. We love our enemies because God first loved us. So if like me, on this journey of faith that you're on, 
Holy Spirit is touching you and convicting you and challenging you. Press into it. Don't reject it. Don't think, well, I've been a Christian for so many years and this is just who I am and what I am. No, no, no. If God is wanting to change you, allow his Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what you ought to be judging your life by. Do you walk in love? Do you have joy? Or are you one of those sourpuss Christians that nobody ever wants what you have? Peace, joy, kindness, gentleness. This is the fruit of the believer who knows God. For God so loved that he gave. This morning, two things I want to pray over. One, if you do not yet have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God brought you here today so that your eternity could be forever changed. And secondly, for all of us that know God, that we take the time to allow His Holy Spirit to continue to work in us because for such a time as this, God's placed you in this world. It's not some other generation. You can't do anything about what happened 100 years ago, 500 years ago. You can't do anything about what's going to happen 10 years from now. But you have the power today to become the person God created you to be. And he loves you so much, he's going to continue to work in your life, through your life, so that his love will impact this world that we're living in. Because there's nothing more powerful or greater than the love of God. Can all of you say amen to that? Would you bow your head for just a moment because I want to give an opportunity for these. And believers, would you pray, please? If you're sitting in this room this morning or you're watching online and you do not yet have this love relationship with God, maybe you've been in church, maybe you've gone to church, maybe at one time you even made a confession to God, but you have never fully known his love. God loves you so much. He not only wants to save you so that you can spend eternity in his presence and with his Father, but he wants your life to be impacted here and now by his love. No matter what your sin is, no matter what your failure is, no matter what your past is, no matter what dysfunction you came out of, God loves you and will forgive you if you will simply confess him and invite him to be Lord of your life. Believers are praying. If you're watching online, you can respond, call the office, send an email in. We want to rejoice with you. If you're sitting in this room this morning, Today, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. 
And all he wants you to do is open up your heart and invite him in. I would love the privilege of leading you in that prayer. So with every head bowed and believers are praying for you right now, if that's you today, would you simply just lift up your hand and hold it? Let me see it. You can put it down, and I want to lead you in a prayer this morning to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. Thank you, sir. God bless you. This is your day. This is your moment. This is your eternal life change. And it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with him. Biggest decision you ever make in your life to invite Jesus to be Lord. Because you're surrendering everything to him. He's faithful. He'll take care of what you entrust into him. Anyone else this morning? That's you today. You're ready. You, you want to respond. You want to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. Just lift up your hand. Let me see it. Let me pray with you this morning for you. He loves you so much. All right. I want to invite you all to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to lead those who are watching online and this precious man in this place today. We're inviting Jesus. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I come today acknowledging my need of you. Thank you for first loving me. Thank you for knocking on my heart's door. I invite you in right now. Jesus, forgive me of all my sin, my past, my failures. I invite you to be Lord of my life, to be my king, to be my redeemer, to be my savior. I choose you today because you first chose me. And today, I'm choosing to walk with you all the days of my life. I pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.